I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me this morning is author and associate professor, Division of General Pediatrics at Stanford University, Dr. Anisha Patel. Her new book is Half the Sugar, All the Love, 100 Easy Low-Sugar Recipes for Every Meal of the Day. Countless studies have shown that all the excess sugar in our lives can lead to the classic children's ailment, cavities. But it is also implicated in cardiovascular disease and the conditions that lead to it, including obesity, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, and abnormal cholesterol levels. With all this sugar lurking, how can a parent avoid it and still make quick, easy, flavorful, low-sugar meals kids will love? Dr. Anisha Patel answers all these questions and more with an eye-opening, informative, and practical guide for the busy modern parent. Her research focuses on child health promotion, and she's been recognized with awards from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the University of North Carolina Gilling School of Global Public Health. Welcome to the to the show, Dr. Patel. Thanks so much. Well, obviously, I think maybe it's just obvious that this is an important book. We don't have to go over the statistics about obesity and obesity in children, or maybe we want to do that too, but uh, we have a real problem with overweight and obesity and, I guess, sugar. That's, that's, that is the, that's the enemy, um, and what can we do about it? And, uh, you know, and I'll just say I see so many children, I live here in New York City, walking down the street or five, ten years old who look to be 10, 20, even 30 pounds overweight. Um, and it seems to me that that's increasing, not, you know, the problem is, is snowballing, not decreasing. So I guess hence your book. Yes, you are correct. So we know that here in the United States, um, one in five children is actually um, overweight. We also know that one in five children, um, especially teenagers, they're pre-diabetic. So it is a serious problem where we're seeing even health conditions early in the teen years with high cholesterol in these children as well as um, pre-diabetes and even fatty liver disease, which we know is one of the leading um, conditions that leads to liver failure here in the United States and transplantation. Well, I guess the first question is, I always wonder who is responsible for this. I mean, you talk, Avi, you're a pediatrician, you, uh, you're with the kids, you're with parents. Um, is it always the parents' fault? It seems to me we live in this sort of sugar culture. I mean, starting from the very beginning with uh, babies and formula and the kinds of food we feed toddlers. And um, so where do we get, begin to, to, to resolve the problem? I mean, obviously diet, and that's something that we're talking about in the book and eating less sugar. But um, it seems to start from the very, from the moment the baby is born, we have this problem, this issue of too much sugar. Yes, and I, I definitely don't think it's the parents' fault. I think it's really, as you met, have you alluded to, um, interaction between the home environment, culture, um, but also just what's going around in the environment. Um, we know that a lot of the packaged foods that are out there on the market now have these added sugars in them, and so it's important to recognize that um, a lot of this is really... Um, you know, a function of the environment, what's going on in the country, not necessarily all related to um, what's going on in the home. Um, you know, we have so much processed food available to folks, and um, sugar was added to these products um, back in the 70s when, you know, we were reducing the fat in the diet, and there was a big 
um, emphasis on fat, the food didn't taste as good with the low fat, so they added salt or sugar to really help improve the flavor. And so now we have all these products that have added sugar in them. Or when you're making, you know, a tomato sauce, but you don't have great tomatoes, the way you make it taste better is to add some sugar to make it taste sweet, like those tomatoes you get in the summertime. So um, I definitely agree with you there that it's definitely a larger problem. Right, so it is a larger problem. We have to do something about it. What do we do? Just on a basic, and I think you, you cover this in the book, we're, t- we're talking about sugars when you go to the store to buy food for yourself and your family and your kids. How do you read these labels? Well, how much sugar are you supposed to have? How much sugar is, you know, how do we, I mean, people probably, I'm making this assumption, know more about how many calories we should eat um, as adults or as children, but not so much in terms of sugar. I don't think we're that's why your book is so necessary, but we're not as, I don't think, as well informed. No, I think you're definitely right. I think most of the families I work with clinically, they definitely don't know this information, so we try to make a point to educate um, families about how they can empower themselves to make these healthy choices. Um, so to go back to the concept of added sugar, just to make sure we're all on the same page here, um, added sugar is really sugar that's added to products, so it's, um, you know, sugar that you add to your food or beverage at home or if you're out and shopping for a product and the company has added sugar to that product. So it's not intrinsic natural sugars that are present in food. So an example would be lactose is a type of sugar that's present in milk, or you can have um, fructose that's in fruit. So those are naturally occurring sugars, and they're different than added sugars because instead of just having calories, they also have fiber. A lot of times they have vitamins and nutrients that are actually healthful rather than um, harming. Um, And so it's important that families recognize that this concept of added sugar. So they're aware that, you know, it's not unhealthy to eat fruits, sugar from fruits, that's okay. It's really the added sugar that we're worried about. Um, And in terms of how much individuals should be consuming, um, it is six teaspoons for um, children and women. And then for men, it's nine teaspoons. So this is recommended by the American Heart Association, which is the leading organization, you know, that's kind of setting these guidelines in the United States. Um, The other thing to note is... um, with regard to reading the sugar labels, it's actually very confusing. The nutrition label, if you turn it over, it, there is a line there that says sugars, but it's in grams. And we don't work in grams here in the U.S., so yeah. um, it's really complicated for families um, because the guidelines are in teaspoons, right? But we're presenting the information in grams. And so in order to get teaspoons from grams, you have to take the grams and divide it by four. So let's say you have 16 teaspoons. 16 grams of sugar in a um, vanilla yogurt, you would need to take that information, divide it by four to get um, four teaspoons. So it is complicated for families to do that. The other thing that's a problem with the current nutrition but facts label is... I just want yeah, to stop you ahead. there. So you're saying if it's four teaspoons just in that one whatever you're eating, and you yep. only have, that means that's you only right. have two teaspoons left for the day? Is that it? Is that what you're saying? That's correct. So okay. that's the problem. At breakfast, a lot of us have already surpassed our added sugar limit for the day. So I always try to not give my kids sugar at breakfast because I want them to be able to have a little sugar later in the day instead. Um, So it's definitely important to take a look at that nutrition label. The other problem that I was mentioning was the added sugar label. Currently on the nutrition facts um, that you look at the label, the sugars include the natural sugars as well as added sugar. So like, for example, that yogurt that I was talking about, it has sugars from the lactose, 
is in that label as well as the added sugar. So you would need to be smart enough to look at a plain yogurt and a vanilla yogurt and subtract to figure out how much is actually added sugar, and nobody's going to do that. So currently there's going to be actually coming out soon, there's going to be a new nutrition label that's going to have added sugars on there. So you can easily identify how much is actually added versus total. And some things do, uh, uh, as I'm listening to you, the do say added sugars. Not everything, but I notice on some of the labels. Yes, some will, companies yeah. have gotten ahead of the game, and they've already started implementing, which is great. We're so excited about that. What if you don't introduce sugar at all? And it just comes, I mean, I know for my kids and now my tiny little grandchildren, they just eat natural fruits. They love vegetables, spinach, broccoli, that, because that's what they, that's what they know. That's what was introduced to them in the, from the very beginning. But none of the, the sugar stuff. And so far, so good. Um, you know, once you get out there and you're at other people's houses and you go to school, it, things change. But I think you can kind of program kids from the very beginning not to crave these sugars, as you say, because they were a replacement for fat. Um, I, I yeah, guess no, asked, I, yeah, I totally agree with yeah. um, that sentiment. I think it's super important that young children in particular are not introduced to added sugar. So actually the recommendation for added sugar intake for children who are less than two is zero. So American Heart Association, other groups, they recommend that we do not introduce added sugar to these um, young guys' diet because, you know, once they get that taste of that sweetness, they keep wanting it. And it's hard to go backwards. So really try to steer clear of added sugars as much as you can in your household just so that they're able to accept that non-sweet, you know, the naturally sweet flavor rather than having to add sugar to everything. Um, and they really won't crave those sweets as much later in life. There are studies that have shown that if the children are introduced to juice, for example, even, which is natural sugar, but still nonetheless, it doesn't have as much fiber, that those children who drink the juice are more likely to drink juice and even sugary drinks later on and even have overweight problems. So I definitely think, um, you know, this is definitely a concern. Um, and as you mentioned, there's things that you can do early on to try to limit the amount of sugar that children are eating. So what do you think about this? Because there's a whole attitude, obviously, towards sugar in our country, and people are divided. I mean, here in New York City, Mike Bloomberg tried to introduce the a law that, in the city anyway, that you could only buy, I forgot how many ounces of, of uh, you know, sweetened um, soft drinks at one time. And if you wanted more, you had to buy two bottles, and that was more expensive. And, oh, boy, there was a lot of... Uh, antagonism towards that, and uh, so that, that was, which I found interesting. So you know, you can't tell us what to drink and how much sugar we're going to drink, and uh, so I think eventually the whole thing was you know off the table. Yeah, I think um, you know it's recognized that a lot of individuals actually don't have control over their environment, right? So if you're living in a place where you don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables and maybe the sugary drinks are, you know, um, cheaper for you than water even, um, that that can be a barrier. And so um, a lot of places like New York City, where we are in San Francisco, have instituted policies to try to help 
um, nudge people towards these healthier choices. So a good example, I do a lot of work in schools actually related to nutrition as well. And in the school settings, you know, they've passed laws that have really changed the environment. So you can't really have these sugary drinks in the school setting any longer. Um, When I first started doing this work, you could purchase sports drinks and other sugary drinks in schools. But now throughout the United States, if the schools are getting um, federal funds for the meals, um, there really can't be any of these sugary beverages um, available to the children during school hours. So I think um, we're slowly making baby steps. Um, towards trying to really change the environments where we live to make sure that um, sugar is not as present um, in the environment. What about honey? Everyone talks about honey and somehow that has honey has a good rap, <laughs> that that's better for you than refined white sugar. And so if you use honey and put that on your cereal or wherever one puts honey, that that's a good thing. Is that true? So um, honey, maple syrup, agave, all these sugars that are the natural um, sugars, they really aren't healthier than the refined sugars in terms of, you know, how they're processed by the body and their associations with health problems. And so we really recommend that you account for those sugars when you're thinking of your daily limit. Let's say you put some teaspoon of honey in your tea. That counts towards your six to nine teaspoons that you're having per day. Um, The other thing to note, though, is that honey, you know, some of these um, sugars do have some beneficial properties. So, for example, honey, we recommend a lot of times in our clinical practice, um, if children have cough or cold, um, it's um, been thought that it helps to soothe that. But in terms of thinking about your added sugar consumption, you should definitely keep track of those sugars as well. Okay. So, in other words, we have to be aware. I mean, that's what I hear you saying. We have to yeah. be aware what what how much sugar, what kind of sugar, and it sort of makes going to the grocery store a challenge. It's like <laughs> you're going yeah. to school. You can't go there and relax and just buy the food. You really have to be on your toes looking at labels, and it's, it could be a very stressful situation, but uh, we don't want it to be, right? We want it to be a pleasant situation. That's what your book is about, you know, making it easier for us to feed ourselves but and our children. Um, yeah, no, so I, I agree. It can be stressful <laughs> at times, but I think once you get started, you realize some especially in this book, we go through some special tricks to make sure um, you're not kind of falling into the trap of eating these um, foods that you think are healthy but really aren't. Um, So, you know, to give you an example from the yogurt, for example, a lot of those yogurts, you know, they can have up to four teaspoons of sugar in that yogurt. And so a good option, if you don't want to buy, you know, the pre-sweetened yogurt, is to buy plain yogurt. You bring it home. It's probably going to be cheaper if you purchase a big tub of it rather than buying those small containers anyway. Add some fruit to it. You can even add a little drizzle of honey. We have a good recipe for some granola in there. And you're going to have a lot less sugar in that yogurt than if you were to, like, go to the store and purchase it prepackaged. So, um, you know, there's definitely some tips on how to kind of go through the supermarket and make healthier choices. Um, Another example is, like, peanut butter or almond butter. A lot of folks purchase the sweetened kind, which has so much sugar in it. So it's a good idea just to go for the unsweetened. If you need to add a little honey on top on your sandwich, that's totally fine. But, you know, pick the unsweetened products when you can. How do we protect our children? I mean, this is somewhat, I guess I'm asking you, for, is it from a social work perspective and maybe a, and political, like what do you, because you're working with parents to help them to feed their children to in a, in a healthy way. What if they don't do that? What do you do? I mean, is it a, a, a is it a, 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 and they continue to feed their kids, let's say sugar, and they have kids who are, 20, 30 pounds overweight, 10 pounds overweight. What do you do? I mean, are they 
yeah, be negligent. I know, such, yeah. I know as a social worker, you've kind of worked with these populations as yeah. well. So I think the key, um, really, because I work with a lot of low-income populations, you know, from low-income backgrounds um, who are at highest risk for obesity and all these health conditions, and a lot of that is a factor of their environment, right? They're living in, you know, these environments where there's easier access to these unhealthy options. There is increased marketing of these products. Um, the families are working three jobs. They don't have time to make a meal. So education itself is not going to necessarily help change all of that. Um, and so we try our best to come up with personalized goals with the families to so really understand, you know, what are they working with in terms of their home environment, their working situation, what are things that they could try that give it the best bang for the buck. Um, so example would be um, sugary drinks. We know that 50% of the added sugar in the diet is actually coming from those sugary beverages. And so if you were to swap out, you know, water um, for those sugary beverages, you could decrease the amount of calories you're consuming by, um, you know, 235 calories per day. And so that's, and, and the added sugar, not to mention the added sugar. So it's really important to like think about those kinds of easy fixes because that's easier than trying to cook every meal from scratch. Um, policy, as you mentioned, is super important as well. Um, so some of these policies that Bloomberg was passing and some of these um, reforms in school meals, soda taxes, et cetera. What about, you just mentioned this a couple sentences ago, increased marketing. Who's responsible? I mean, I'm picturing these guys up, the CEOs of these cereal companies or whoever's making, adding sugar and all this stuff to food. Are they sitting up there thinking, how are we going to get the kids to get addicted to this sugar and then we can... I don't money? think they're thinking that. I think they're what thinking, they how thinking? do we sell the product, right? Mm-hmm. They're thinking, how do we sell the product? <laughs> they're there <laughs> to market their product to get sales. I don't think they're necessarily thinking, how do we get kids addicted? I hope not anyway. Um, but the the downside of that is because we know that certain groups are more likely to purchase these things, they get unfairly targeted. So we know that some of those billboards, you know, they're culturally appropriate for certain families. So I work a lot with... Um, you know, families from Mexico and some of the Coke billboards that are out there in the community are focused on pictures of the family table with the Coke there, you know, really kind of um, trying to leverage that um, idea that Coke is a part of the family celebration. And so I think it's important just for families to know um, that they are being targeted through the marketing and to know how to make those healthier choices. And I'm not, I'm definitely more about moderation. So as a parent and as a physician, I'm not the type of person that will say, like, you should not have any sugar at any time. So that's the great thing about this book. It's like half the sugar. It's not like no sugar. We don't want to have kids going on diets. Um, but we want them to eat healthier and make some small changes. Yeah, I mean, that's a great title, Half the Sugar, All the Love, because uh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I knew with my kids, I didn't buy sugary, like Coke and any kind of sugary drinks. But I never said, well, if you're at somebody else's house, you absolutely can't have it because, of course, that's the first thing they're going to have. Uh, I could only do what I did and and leave it open to they can make those kinds of decisions on their own. So, uh, yeah, I think if anything becomes completely taboo, then you're it's a losing game, especially with kids, right? Yeah, but if you don't bring it, you know, what I usually tell families about the sugary beverage, I'm like, don't bring it in your house. Instead, you could have it once a week. Like, let's say you go to a restaurant and your child wants to have a special drink. That's totally fine. Or if you go to, like, a friend's house and they're having a party and they have it, like, that's totally okay. But if you don't bring it in your house, it won't be, like, a daily occurrence. It'll be a special treat, which I think is, you know, the way we grew up and um, how it should be. It shouldn't be that folks are drinking soda every single meal of the day. 
And then perhaps, I think there's another part to this. Think about how you feel after you eat something that's good, or, you know, whether it's uh, oh, natural yeah. juices. And then think about how you feel after you've had a, you know, a sugary drink with added sugar and kind of get kids to be aware of that in their bodies. And I think you can start with that in elementary school. I mean, that can be part of the curriculum, as you say. I mean, it's, it's really education, education, education. Yeah, so actually, as a part of my research program, we work in elementary schools, ironically, <laughs> as you mentioned, and we have a whole program where we're installing these water bottle filling stations in the schools to make sure kids actually have access to water during the school day, give them water bottles, and then we have a whole curriculum telling them about why um, added sugar is um, a problem for their health and how they should get involved and really empower themselves and their families to really cut down, and sugary drinks is a good way to start, so we use that as kind of our hook, but um, definitely agree with you that starting early is super important, and clinic, I see a few patients, you know, I see, you know, up to 20 patients per session, but in a school, you can reach so many more children, so um, we really find that those partnerships are beneficial. I don't know if this is the last question, but we do only have a few minutes left, and I just want to bring this into the sort of the political arena. Is, is Do you find it interesting that none of the candidates, and I don't know because it wouldn't be popular, I guess, we're talking about health care and the cost of health care and billions of dollars in health care, but it's never really related to the specifics of how we eat and how costly type 2 diabetes is and and, and uh cardiovascular disease and childhood obesity is related to these health costs and how we what we need to do about it. I haven't heard anybody talk about that. None of the candidates, presidential candidates. No, I think you're right. I think um, importantly, though, I think some of the candidates are focused on trying to think about how we can, you know, increase even the income base of folks so that they have more um, money to actually purchase some of these options, but I do agree with you. I think it's important to really reduce the cost and increase accessibility of these um, healthy food options if we expect that um, our families are going to eat um, healthier foods. You're in California. You're, you said San Francisco. So, what's the what are the biggest obstacles? Because you're dealing in all of these arenas. Let's say in your community in San Francisco, one of the major cities, one of our major cities. Yeah, I think for me, like working with the families, I think there's so many competing priorities that they're facing in their daily lives, especially, um, you know, the families that are from low-income backgrounds. They have a lot going on, right? Like where they're working multiple jobs, there may be violence in their neighborhood, mental health issues. Um, There's so many issues, right? And even we know that these adverse childhood experiences are impacting obesity rates. So if children are exposed to violence or have some traumatic events early in life, that can actually rev up your um, stress level hormones and that can lead to obesity and diabetes and some of these health problems. So I think the goal is to really understand, you know, what these families are facing. And then if we're going to try to influence their behaviors to target some of these more upstream determinants. So in California, we have a new Surgeon General who is a pediatrician, actually, and she's advocating for um, screening for these adverse childhood um, events, you know, in the clinical setting so that we can understand more about what families are doing and actually help um, to get them resources. So while it's not related exclusively to diet, I think it's all interrelated. And so thinking comprehensively about how we help families in a number of different ways so they can lead healthier lives, including diet. Um, But got to fix those other problems too, if they're going to have any time to focus on any of this. 
Yeah. So comprehensive, that's what you're, I guess that's the key word, is it? I mean, we have to have it Yes, very I think comprehensive comprehend- solutions and yep. policies are important, I think, as well as education. So we can educate families until, you know, we've basically told them so much information, but if they don't have the tools or the environment that actually helps sustain those behaviors, it's um, a challenge, I think, for folks. But we are lucky to live in a place where there is a soda tax, for example, in several um, communities nearby, and a lot of those funds from the soda taxes are actually going towards health programming, which is great. Which is great, yeah. And unfortunately, um, well, we're not the only country, Western country, that I guess is, is this, this is all playing out. I mean, as you travel around to you know the, Europe and Australia and those countries, they have the same issue, the same problems. Different cultures, sort of, they, but yeah. Yes. Definitely same problems. You are correct. We are seeing globally that obesity rates, diabetes, all these associated health conditions are increasing globally. So I think that this book could be useful in other places as well with some tweaking for the recipes maybe. We tried to include some um, recipes for different, um, you know, groups of different backgrounds, but um, I definitely think the messages can hold true no matter where you go. Yeah. Great book, Half the Sugar, All the Love, 100 Easy Low Sugar Recipes for Every Meal of the Day. Um, easy to get on Amazon, bookstores everywhere. Um, Dr. Patel, give us a website that we can go to for more information about your work, the book, but also the work that you're doing. Sure. So the um, book, the website to go to is 52newfoods.com. And if you want to learn more about our research program, you can go to researchinchildhealth.org. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Great to have you and really great information. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 